Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 12. I'm Michael John Simpson. My co-caster, Ash Jones, and I started this podcast to give voice to our passions. This week, our guest is Los Angeles artist, KJ, creator of the Picture of Everything, and owner of one of the largest collections of Doctor Strange memorabilia in the world, Howard Hollis. Ash and I sat down with Howard and his fiance Sam to discuss collectibles, comic book movies, Doctor Strange, The Simpsons vs. South Park vs. Family Guy, scatological humor, Archer, lenticular art, the picture of everything, celebrity encounters, karaoke, and of course, Star Wars. By the hoary hosts of Hogoth, it's episode 12 of the Something Something Experience. That's a great picture of everything. Very oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. So, uh, are we starting? Or oh, yeah, yeah. Have... We just go. There's no oh, all right. There's formality no, like, to it. There's no start or stop or no. anything. So, Jesus. yeah. Well, how do you know? This is my, uh... <laughs> He's looking at the uh, Return of the Jedi. Is it a Burger King glass? Yeah, it's yeah, one, Burger, of Burger King one of the Burger King glasses. glasses. Wow, from 80, from 80, uh, 83. Yeah. And that's an original right there, yeah. Yeah, well, that's you know, cool. some, some people have Tiffany glassware. We... This this is better than Tiffany Glassware in my well, opinion. Well, to some people, yes, absolutely. I always uh, I always prefer Debbie Gibson Glassware myself, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, there's there's an '80s reference yes. that only a few of your listeners. Yeah, well, that's well true. maybe more than a few. I don't know. Um, oh, I've got a, a whole bunch of uh, Batman stuff from the late '80s, early '90s. A bunch of. McDonald's toys from the from hey, the, from the first two oh, that's, movies, that's um, and it's just it's sitting in the garage. So I'm, I'm we're getting ready to buy a house. We're going to be moving probably sometime in you know next May is when our lease is up. So we got to start going through stuff, and I'm doing this kind of juggling thing in my mind of do I want to try and sell it now or do I want to hold on to it or you know what do I want to do with it so I'm still trying to decide this is like the Michael Keaton Tim Burton Batman oh, yeah thing. yeah yeah it's all stuff from the first two uh, Tim Burton Batman movies which you think that it hasn't aged well right no those movies I, I don't think they've aged well have you seen when's the last time you saw Batman or Batman Returns uh I should ask you have you ever danced with the devil in the film <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a while, what? actually. Um, I've many years. Yeah. So I have. Last time we were we were talking about it on other episodes, and and I, I haven't watched Batman Returns, and I always liked that movie better than Batman, but the the Nicholson Joker thing, it just it doesn't hold up. It really, it's really bad. It's really pretty awful. But yeah, and, scared the shit out of me when I saw it. In yeah. Movies. How <laughs> yeah. old were you when you saw it, though, Sam? <laughs> That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam, my fiance was five. I'm robbing the cradle alone. Yeah. Gotta love it. Yeah. Oh, that was probably a baby. Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. Like, like. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in the theater probably five or six times when it came out. I was really excited when that came out. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be finally like Frank Miller's Dark. Right, Night right. We saw it, and yeah. and it definitely had some darkness it to it. it but did. which, what, what do you? I want to ask you because you're you're a huge comic book fan. Yeah. Do you think Zack Snyder's going to do Frank Miller's comic book justice? Because all the memes that have been leaking out uh, as of late kind of hint towards it being like, wait, well, pretty much do a I think, Do I think what? Batman vs Superman. Uh, oh, the uh, movie coming out. I think that DC is just trying to get their Justice League franchise off the ground, like Marvel got their Avengers off the ground. Right, right. You know? And uh, they kind of—I—I don't know. I mean, I think that. Casting Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man was great, 
But uh, it remains to be seen if DC shit the bed by having Ben Affleck as Batman. He comes I think I could probably answer that now. Well, he comes from so much baggage being Ben Affleck. And people said the same thing about Robert Downey Jr., but at the time, he was on such a low, people were like, oh, what? Robert Downey Jr.'s in a superhero? And it was almost intriguing. Yeah. But, but Ben Affleck has already been a superhero. It's true. He's been a few of them, right? Uh, I know Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. And, uh... uh he was... A, I mean, an argument could be made that he was a superhero in, um... That one, um, asteroid movie, Armageddon. Oh, uh, I guess saved so. Earth. Yeah, I, So, I mean, he's been the leading man in a lot of Which things. is Australian for Armageddon out of here. Armageddon out of here. I don't know. As far as Daredevil, and I thought Colin Farrell, that was one of his best movies. Oh, bullseye. I hate to say yeah, I hate really to say it. I know people hate that movie, but... I don't Speaking of which, like a lot of people were talking about Colin Farrell as possible Doctor Strange. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm into that. I don't I see to, it. I want to talk to you about that because there's there's a few rumored. Uh, there, there's been more than a few. Uh, it was uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, then they talked about uh, Wes Bentley, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Ethan Hawke. But the latest I don't think Wes Bentley can top what he did in Ghost Rider. I mean, that was <laughs> you know, he was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he was good in American Beauty. He was, yeah, okay. you know, he, the most beautiful thing. Every time I see a bag floating on the freeway, I think. Yeah. Bad, so. <laughs> but um, the God loves us. <laughs> but uh, so, what about Benedict Cumberbatch as uh, Strange? I think he'd be fine. You know, I, I, I haven't seen Sherlock, but I thought he was good in the Star Trek movies. He 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 could play it well. He's not my number one choice, but I think my number one choice would never ever. Happen so. So tell us who your number one choice is. Daniel Day Lewis. Oh yeah, but he makes a movie every three years. Well, the thing about it would be that people would be like, Daniel Day Lewis is playing a superhero, and they would be like, No way. That and but Daniel Day Lewis can do anything. He'd be the only guy that I could really see (laughs) saying stuff like by the hoary host of Hogoth and all that stuff that people would be like, Yes. Yes, yes I what, believe you. That that is a great point, and that's why I think Cumberbatch is the only one in that of the rumored ones that I think could pull it off. The other guy I liked was the guy from uh, Boardwalk Empire. I forgot his name at the moment. Michael Pitt. Uh, he played the guy with half a face on Boardwalk oh. Empire. Oh yeah, Jack yeah. Houston. Jack, Jack Houston. Houston. That's Jack him. Houston. He would be very good. I like him as an actor, and uh, I think. But he's he, young. He's thirty-one. He's really young. Well, it's Cumberbatch true. is young too. But he's, remember, he's... you got—they're gonna. Uh, the reason I think a lot of people are reluctant, like these big actor guys, like Joaquin Phoenix and all them, is because I'm sure Marvel's making them sign a multi-picture deal. Oh yeah, and they don't want to get looped. So looped they're into like, that. oh, I don't know about that. You know, even though it's like going to be so lucrative for whoever does it, because it totally. About. I mean, I mean, it, Joaquin Phoenix should have jumped at the chance had had they. Actually offered it to him. I don't. I don't want to see him play Doctor Strange, but it was kind of foolish of it. Because what else has he done? I mean, I can't. The last good movie I can think of him being in was Gladiator. No, oh, I thought it was awful in that movie. Really? No, I, I thought, thought he was yeah. personally. Awful. Mm. I liked the movie, but him. Yeah. I, anyway, he was. He was good as Johnny Cash. Yeah, he was, he was great. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he was yeah, also yeah, pretty. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was all right in that her movie. 
I, I didn't okay. see her. I wanted to. That was yeah. the one about the guy who falls in love with Siri. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Joaquin Phoenix is a genius, man. I, I think everything he's done is great. The Master, if you haven't seen it. Every, every, yeah, The Master. And her advice looks amazing. Uh, the movie coming out where he plays uh, a reporter. Right. I don't think uh, everything he's done is great. I don't think Signs was all that good. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the last of the Not Shyamalan-Malamalan movies. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I oh, guessed no. what happened at the... In the sixth sense, before the ending, the first yeah, time I mean, I saw a lot it. of people. Really? Spoiler for anybody, because I'm like, didn't he get shot at the beginning of the movie? He's dead, right? Oh, and yeah. I was like thinking that through the whole movie, and I'm like, no one's talking to him directly. The whole, he's dead. Wow, damn it. you yeah. figured it out. That's I figured amazing. it out. I was very yeah. disappointed. Yeah, I was like, damn. I it. mean, Unbreakable was good just from a like superhero origin type movie. Yeah, and then, but then everything else after that has been shite. The sham hammer, shite. No, he's he's crapped the, he's crapped the bed. The crappening. I like the crap the bed. I hope that takes off as a <laughs> the crappening. But you know, it's. I think Cumberbatch will do. Uh, a decent job. He's he's. Okay. Have we had confirmation? Is he taking the offer, or is he still? No, no it's uh, not uh, official. Yet. Okay, all right, all right. But he's he's, he's top. He's top. One out. It's four twenty. Supposed to be back. It's four twenty everywhere, man. All, right. every, all day, every day. <laughs> hey, it's four. It's four twenty because up somewhere it's Jamaica, man. Yeah, all right. um, no, the. The official time is two nineteen. Yeah, the clocks are supposed to go back an hour. They're like savings, like it matters. I mean, we're not. Oh, I know. Why? Work. Why are we still doing that <laughs> arcane BS, which was originally created so that politicians could golf longer hours in the winter? Is that really? Is that true? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That is bullshit. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt your uh, okay. lovely conversation about movies. I'm just in here cleaning because I don't want to get in the way. <laughs> that's cool. This is going to be a special podcast. Yeah. It's full I mean, of, uh, let me get a little more light in Oh, that's fine. Yeah, cool. yeah. Do you want me to turn on these lights over there? No, it's good. The natural light's fine. Yeah, that's better. All right. So, um... Yeah, that is well, well, back well, 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 to it. Back so to you, uh, when, when I wanted to talk about, speaking of Doctor Strange, I wanted to talk about, you have this, um, uh, is it, uh, is it safe to say, is it accurate to say, officially recognized collection of Doctor Strange stuff? <laughs> you mean in offici- terms of volume and and officially recognized as the largest in the world? Is that what you mean? Uh, I well, think it's probably one of them. I'd say it's very possible it is the largest in the world. My friend uh, Peter Ruggiero, who lives in uh, Canadensis, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, has a collection comparable in size because uh, he's been doing it a little longer than me. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of stuff he doesn't, and mm-hmm. he has a few things I don't. Right, right. And uh, he runs the Sanctum Sanctorum Comics blog. Oh, okay. And uh, his knowledge is encyclopedic of okay. Doctor Strange. Whereas cool. I've read all of the stuff and right. I retain quite a bit of it. He knows minutia, backwards mm-hmm. and forwards, like like instant access to that minutia nice, as nice. well. But, you know, I have a few more copies of Strange Tales 110, the first appearance of Doctor... I have about seven of those. Wow. I have a lot more original artwork by folks like Gene Colan and Frank Brunner and cool. Bruce Tim and a few other like, oh, really nice... nice. Who, uh, who penned the, uh, the, the first iteration? Ditko or Kirby? Ditko yeah. did... Uh, yeah, Ditko was the first guy to do it. So it was Stan Lee and Ditko. I don't have any of his original art. I would oh, love to yeah. find some. It's way, way too expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Do you have any like one of a kind items that was pretty much like only one out there of something? Or... Oh yeah, well the original artwork, you know, yeah, this yeah. is like you know, it's one of a kind stuff. It's the actual. I mean, there might have been copies of it made in books, but right, you know, right. this is the stuff that was used in the publication of the comics. Fantastic. I have a few uh, um, customized things. I custom Mego figures. Oh, and, nice! And various characters and. Uh, I have, uh, you know, so a few of those are one of a kind, and there's some things, like, I have some trading cards, like some of those up there, like the green one. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's only ten of those in the world. Wow. So, you know, there's a few things that I have that are pretty rare, and I wouldn't be able to get them again if I got rid of them. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, hold on to them, man. How long have you been collecting? When did you start? Well, I started collecting comics when I was really young, in 1978. And I accumulated quite a few in great books over oh, the yeah, years. I, I had the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, nice. first printing, and all that stuff. But I, the black I sold... and white Eastman and Laird original that's right, trade, that's right. trade book. Yeah, first nice. printing, too. There nice. was only 3,000 of them, and it had oh. their address. And I, but I got rid of these long ago. and uh, I've But around 2002, a little while after my father died, I... Uh, you know, I had a pretty successful art show and had a little money, and I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to collect something, I really want to focus on one thing. And I always liked the character of Doctor Strange, uh-huh, and uh-huh. I thought, you know, not too many people know who he is, right, but right. enough people do. There's probably going to be a movie someday. He's a perennial guest star in the Lots Marvel world, of stuff. and I I loved the old Ditko Stan Lee stories and Strange Tales, so I figured, you know what, I bet you I could get all of these things relatively cheaply. I mean, I can't really start going for Spider-Man or even Iron Man at that time, because then it was just the movie hype and all that made these things way too expensive to collect yeah. in any kind of earnest. Yeah, you don't have a spare $2 million. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) You know, there's a guy out there that has, like, every Spider-Man thing. And, like, can you imagine how much much money that would be? Oh, yeah. Worth your stuff, that's about to appreciate. It it has already, actually. But at the time when I started in 2002, uh, within about two or three years, I had collected all of the comics, the American comics, and I was getting a Strange Tales 110 maybe once a year. I would save up money and get one for anywhere from like three to 500 bucks. And now you can't find even a crappy copy for under wow. 800. Wow. So, you know, it was kind of like, you know, I know this is going to, but it wasn't really the uh, primary reason I started doing it. Right. Just to have the money. Or the value of the collection appreciated. Just because you actually just, really dig it. I Yeah, and I'm kind of obsessive-compulsive, as you can sort of tell from my artwork. And I really enjoyed the pursuit of finding all of these obscure things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I started collecting foreign editions, and now a lot of the foreign editions of almost any comic, either Marvel or DC, are going up in value because there's collectors that specifically look for that. Now. Right, but for right. me, it was like, oh, cool, well, I have all the American versions. This is kind of a, cool. an oddity and interesting uh, addition to the collection. Cool. And the original art at that time for that particular character, since not it wasn't Iron Man or anything, right, right. I was able to do that. And back then, Gene Colan was alive, so I was able to 
you know, get in touch with him and, you know, get a few pieces from the, from the Colons and uh, cool. a few other people who have since passed. Of, anyway. You got some more original stuff recently, right? Yeah. I'll show you the Bruce Tim. Although this is, uh, I'll have to send you pictures of people on the podcast. Sure, yeah, yeah. If we can, you can scan it or take a picture of it and we can put pictures up. We just recently put a photos section up on the blog so that we can do photos with our guests and um, pictures of things that people are talking about or or collectibles in this case. So that's that's good. Yeah, I just got uh, this is a an Isherwood page from Doctor Strange number eighty. Wow! And this is the Bruce Tim. Awesome! So, that is really cool. Yeah. Bruce Tim. I mean, the, his name is the one I keep hearing over and over and over again of the one that. Whose artwork? I mean, all that Batman animated series stuff. And That's right. It's yeah. just his his style just speaks to I think lo- a large array of people on a on a certain level. That well, he's that, not really known for Doctor Strange, which no, is why no. I, was, I jumped at the chance when I saw that. Sure, like, sure. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So do you prefer uh, you know uh, top collar or no collar Strange? Oh, I don't know. As long as they don't make him look ridiculous like they did in the TV movie, then I'm happy. <laughs> that's, that's fine with me. They're, they've been doing a pretty good job with the movies, though. Yeah, Marvel like has. Like... There's not been too many stinkers. In terms Have you seen of... the trailer for Age of Ultron? Yeah. Yeah, I, I caught the, the preview trailer. Somebody sent it to me before even like had Nerdist had, had put it up. Had, uh, I think that's why they released it early. Cause yeah, yeah, it was leaked. It was leaked. Yeah, and I somebody sent me a link to the leak, leak and um, I think I sent it to you right after that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Work email, but yeah, it looks pretty cool. I mean, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't, I don't know that much about Marvel because I grew up, um, uh, yeah, trying wearing black around cats. Um, I don't know that much about the Marvel universe except for the real big. Spider-Man, Hulk, uh, the characters that you saw on TV or on Saturday morning cartoons, maybe a little bit of X-Men, but mostly Spider-Man. I, mean, I was watching the, the 1960s Spider-Man cartoon and Fantastic Four cartoon yeah, in, I was in the 70s. I was too. Um, but other You're than aging that, yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, All you need uh, to know is that uh, things are going to change rapidly. They, they, uh, what, what really uh, painted the picture of where Marvel's going is oh, the announcement they did I think um, earlier this week where they announced the slate up to 2020 and they announced Thor Ragnarok. So yeah. I think Thor is going to die and then Iron Man is going to create like a... Or maybe Ultron before he dies is going to clone himself as Thor. Yeah. Because that's what the story kind of like does. There's like a cyborg Thor. Well, isn't there an, isn't there an Age of Ultron comic story, comic there book is. story? I read it. And are they, are they, sti- we, we, I guess we don't know how closely they're sticking to that in the I, movie. I thought it was hilarious how you could, you could replace Ultron with Magneto in the trailer and it would be like the early X-Men comics. Yeah. Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I guess, I guess that, that, you know, that's basically what they are. They're Magneto's children. It uh, seems more to me like the Terminator movies in a way because hmm. Ultron is an indestructible right, robot right. that's replicating himself and it just seems a lot, it's very similar to that kind well, of deal. Right after the, the trailer leaked and I saw it, I went, immediately went on the Wikipedia and started reading about Ultron and all the various iterations are up to what, like 17 now iterations of Ultron or something like that and, about how he was first won, won medal, and he was the first actual first character to use adamantium. To he was the first even before Wolverine, before anything else. Um, 
he was the first character to have uh, adamantium. They're definitely going to deviate from the original story. I'm sure. Because the original story has Wolverine in right, it, and right. it's time travel, right. and Ant-Man in the comics, and, and Wasp, and all that. In the comics, Henry Pym created Ultron, right. and like he hasn't even been introduced in the Marvel well, movies. Yeah, and then the they're going to right. do that next year. And right? also, the Ant-Man story, they've taken, taken Wasp out of it completely. Like, when that, they might, she might be there. From, I think she but is. from what everybody said, though, that the way that the story is going to open is that it's after she died, after the wife, after yeah, Wasp died. Yeah, because Scott Lang and she, Hank Pym's going to be old. Right, so right. She died, yeah. she died in, uh, God, I'm, this is sounding really nerdy, the, the Wasp died in the uh, Secret Invasion books okay. before Age of Ultron. Okay. Man, <laughs> I, I, I get total nerd, but you know, she's back. No one really dies in comics. It's true, it's true. true. Look at Coulson, true. they brought him back. <laughs> Coulson, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's comic books is a great way of having death be this kind of uh, transitive thing, or it's it's just a way to sell sell more right, books now. Right. Make, I mean, look at the death of Batman and you know different death of Superman. I have I have a whole bunch of the death of Superman books from the or, yeah, excuse me brought, early nineties. Uh, Peter Parker back, right? Yeah, and they like, killed off Wolverine oh, did last Peter Parker week at some point. Oh yeah! yeah. yeah oh wow! So Who was Spider Man in one universe? See, they have all these oh, yeah, multiple that's universes the yeah. going, so they could kill him off in one universe and say, "Oh well, Spider Man's dead." But meanwhile, there's still three Spider Man comics coming. Well, they out even did another. the whole Earth Two thing in this is like pre Crisis in DC. Yeah. They did the whole Earth Two thing on uh, on Super Friends. They they did some of that on Super Friends. DC is the one that goes crazy with the alternate. Yeah, universes. yeah, yeah. They have like three flashes. It's insane. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. kind of lost me after the first. 52 and the after 52 thing and some of the stories weren't consistent and I was like what's going on yeah yeah but you know it's just a marketing thing they want people to buy the books so they have these events and it makes the news for two seconds yeah 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 and people all these speculators go out and buy the comics because they're like hey the character dies here you know but like (laughs) literally three or four months later they're back and well, I mean, that's the other thing. With with a character like Bruce Wayne, I mean, who's been around since 1938, 37, uh-huh. uh, during the first uh, the first appearance in uh, Detective Comics, he, uh, you know, he's, he's that old. I mean, that character's been around for that long, and if you're going to talk about this, have this continuity and have things change and have things go along, I mean... You can't just keep pretending that Bruce Wayne is forty-five years old, over you know, for for forty years. You know, I mean. Well, that's how the Simpsons are working. True, out. true, <laughs> true. Those characters don't really age. They don't age. Yeah. They don't age. I think it's more plausible in the cartoons, though, because it's not trying to establish itself as some sort of reality. It's more, you know, you can you can get away with it. That's true. I find the, it really bizarre, though, in an episode of The Simpsons where they're looking back on, say, how Martin. Homer met, and in the earlier episodes, it's clearly like the 1970s. Right. And in the later episodes, it's the 1990s, and you're like, no, I remember when it was on in the 90s. Right. (laughs) They've done a flashback episode and flashback to several different decades. I I remember watching that one Simpsons episode where, where Homer meets Marge in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how he lo- he lost his hair when they first had uh, Bart and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a show that I think is, is still clever. Although a lot of people have seemed to have like um, fatigue, like yeah. Simpsons fatigue. Yeah, I still think the jokes are clever. But you know, it's like any it's still show, a well-written show. Every season has some winners and losers. Oh, just like any other. Yeah, but it doesn't make me like laugh out loud the way that it used to. No, like the, some 
sometimes. Like I mean, there's but you were younger too. But see, and I was one of those people who was never, <laughs> never all that impressed with Simpsons. Part, partly because my last name is Simpson, and I got really, really <laughs> sick of the "Oh, how's Bart doing?" at the grocery store. Uh, yeah. But, but apart from that, I always watched The Simpsons and enjoyed it. But it was never appointment television for me, and it was never anything that grabbed me and threw me across the room like it did for so many other people. And then South Park came out, and to me. South Park was everything that everybody always uh, attributed to the Simpsons being edgy and irreverent and this and that, and that's what South Park was for me, and even I've even drifted away from that now. So. Yeah, well, I mean, South Park is another thing where, like, for the first, like, 10 seasons or something else. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. And now I still watch it, but it's not as... Uh, they have some good ones every once in a while. They yeah. still do. Yeah, they, they, they still definitely have some good ones. Well, the thing, I, the thing I like about South Park is they have this, this talent of taking any issue, incorporating it into a story, mm-hmm. and presenting both sides of it, and then coming at it from some third angle that you'd never thought of out of left field. Well, they have an A story, B story, and C story. Right, That's right. That's generally how they... Right. Also doing it quickly where it's still relevant and topical. Right. Yeah, they're right. waiting like three years to no, so right, right, right. Yeah, they, they produce that show in a week, every week, and they produce yeah. it that week before it comes out. So, so, yeah, and they have social commentary, which The Simpsons doesn't have. Simpsons, But sometimes South Park can be a little heavy-handed with that stuff, too. You know? Yeah. Whereas The Simpsons keeps it pretty... I mean, it's so funny, because at one point, you know, uh, The Simpsons was so edgy, but, you know, just seeing the crossover with Family Guy, you could tell how yeah, yeah. very conservative it is, even compared to that, which is on... Pretty close to, you know, when The Simpsons airs, but it's definitely a lot more uh, oh, offensive. Oh, yeah. I right, think. right, yeah. Well, the, the, the whole thing with The Simpsons was when it came out, and it was the whole thing of Bart kind of being this snot-nosed kid and, and being disrespectful and kind of down-with-the-man attitude, and that's what everybody found so shocking and offensive. And for us, we heard that on the playground every day. So it really wasn't that much of a shock to us. Yeah. So the one thing I still look forward to is the Halloween specials. I think they're yeah. still yeah. really yeah. high quality. Yeah, they're really awesome. Yeah, they just had a I, marathon of those. Yeah, they still put a lot of love like into those. Of those yeah. on Sunday last last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, but as far as the Doctor Strange stuff goes, I think I do, as far as I know, have the largest collection of his stuff and comics memorabilia. It's hard to say, though, because there's guys out there that have every single Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's these crazy, they call them BSDs on, on some of the comic board, big swinging dicks. Yeah. These guys have these <laughs> collections that every single Marvel comic, every it's, single, there's a guy out there in um, London uh, named Ian Levine who has every single DC comic wow. that has ever come out. So wow. I, I got to ask you a question. How does someone like you... Um, how do you how do you uh, find all these uh, special items and stuff like that? All, all these comic books. Do you go on eBay? Do you know someone who knows someone? Do you have connections like that, or well, like this is it year? Locked? I mean, you definitely pick up a lot of things on eBay. But this year, like I had a few friends that were at San Diego Comic Con that grabbed them some. Yeah, but I knew what the items were. He I, always knows ahead of right, I right. do a lot of research. It's relaxing to me when I get home from work. Or when I uh, just have a few moments of 
spare time to do that kind of research. For me, it's a way of shutting off my brain and kind of going on a treasure hunt. Nice. And without the internet, it would have been impossible to Oh, yeah, yeah. I imagine collecting is a lot easier now with the internet. I've I've heard stories of people that just uh, stumble upon collections like someone dies and they're they're in an auction. And and it's a mystery box and it's like all these comics. That's that's the ultimate fantasy of all of the comic collectors is to, you know, answer some ad... In Craigslist, uh, my grandma's comics found them. Like they run across an action comics number one or Batman number one or Detective Twenty Seven. Yeah, it happens so rarely though, and a lot of times they're scams. But uh, you know, I've seen a lot of that stuff because it appeals to that. If if you have that collector's mentality, you know, of just finding this treasure trove. Yeah, you know, stumbling just stumbling upon this, but. It, it's a real rare event. I, I hit a treasure trove uh, five years ago. I answered one of those uh, Craigslist ads, and I found three boxes full of microfilm, and it was like uh, all the New York Times issues since the inception of New York Times till like the early two thousands. Wow, wow. it must have been from a library or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I still, I still have that. I don't have the reader because those are really hard to find. Yeah, the microfilm reader. Yeah. I wonder if you could do that online now. If you could find all the old New York Times online, if the archive is there, yeah, I mean that, that should be something they, they should they should work into. Uh, well, I know there's place. a certain amount of their back issues that are that are online um, through the website, but yeah. But uh, you know that it's it's a lot of different things. Uh, it's a lot of research, I think, on my part, and sometimes my friend Peter, the other guy with the collection, writes me saying, "Hey, you should look out for this." Uh, sometimes, you know, if a friend of mine, like Sam was just in uh, Europe and she picked up some European variants of the Defenders and stuff, because I'm like, you know, if you're, if you just happen to come across a comic book store out there, I, I would love it if you would just look and see if you can find any of that stuff. And that's a lot of, you know, it's just, if, if your focus is on that and it's something that you enjoy, it's kind of... My way of relaxing a lot of the time oh, yeah. is to yeah. hunt for this stuff. Yeah. The thing with Marvel now, they're so big that it's it's got to be super hard, if not impossible, to stumble into those rare you know cases where someone doesn't know what they have because everyone knows Marvel now. It's a brand. It's, yeah. it's super yeah. huge. Well, so she was just in Amsterdam. Yeah, and went to a comic store there, and no, and you know, I just said, "Well, do you have any Dutch?" Marvel comics my fiance collects Doctor Strange and they just pulled out this sort of sad dusty box that was kind of shoved under some things and yeah. Dutch Marvel comics because now I guess in Europe everybody wants the American English yeah the American versions, the American ones the foreign um The American ones are really the ones that even overseas people want. So a lot of the foreign editions, a lot of people don't care about. But, you know, she was able to bring some of these things back. (laughs) They were, like, unopened and sold them to me for two euro each, which is basically, like, what they would cost when they first came out. The Verdi Diggers. The Defenders? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Luke Cage and... uh, Wow. So I was really happy to get these. So, okay, if you go overseas, you could still get things for nothing if you're looking for that kind of stuff. But since I have all the American stuff. Oh, wow. I got, I got a 
few of those new uh, German ones. Yeah, right? she got some German ones too. They came out relatively. He's done stuff, know it. No, the German ones like regular American comics, but with poop. <laughs> Sorry. The, Jap- the, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, the yeah. Japanese ones can, come we, with free, free soiled underwear. Or, we can uh, we can get into the, the poop know. thing too. Yeah, if you, if you want to take this interview from the comics over to the poop, I'm I'm, I'm down to doing that. So. But uh, oh, yeah, man. I'm I'm not above potty humor. <laughs> well, you and I have definitely spent many an hour waxing scatological during karaoke adventures. Yeah, there's something I find inherently funny about poop, but not really. <laughs> the, I, I wouldn't want anyone to poop on me. No, no. But I find but the idea, the idea is funny. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. There's a very big difference too. Very like, big. That's difference. one of those. There's a line. There's a wall. There's a, right. the, the giant Great Wall of China to divide between. I never the, want to go over that. No, one, no, no, ever. no, no, no. <laughs> but I do find it fun. But I like it when so. you call your friends up because you, you got some sort of poop thing you got to tell them, and it's like I gotta call. Tell them right now, I, tell them right now. I have a I have a poop friend as well. I think I think maybe maybe not every guy, but many guys have. Their poop buddy, that the one that that one. Oh my God! You should have seen this, or we, you know whatever. I was in a parody band called the Dung Beetles <laughs> back in around 2002, and we did a lot of stupid poop parody songs. He so. wouldn't listen. Let me listen to the Brown album for a while. Still yeah, we had the Brown album. It was a double LP. <laughs> but you know, it's it's well, not something LP, that most uh, women find all that. Yeah. LP stands for large poop. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. I, I guess I don't find it as funny as you do, but for some reason, I don't know, it's one of the things that's strangely similar about us is that he had this poop parody band and I had a food parody band. Yeah. Right. Hey, those go together. Those go together. One thing leads to the other, you know. You listen to hers first and mine, mine a few hours later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is where I wish we had a rim shot special effect. You guys could you do. You can. Uh, you can you add that in there. You guys could do uh, call, callback songs like. Like there's a couple of those songs with the uh, um, with Bauhaus and and Love and Rockets oh, where they yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or uh, no it was uh, or like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles or something right like, right. The song that comes out but there was a there was a sort of uh, oh no it was a Peter Murphy song and a and a, I think a Tones on Tales song where they went back and forth with lyric lyrically they went back and forth and did like a callback with each other. I don't know that one. The me, the answer is clear by by um, Peter Murphy from Should the World Fail to Fall Apart and he right. talks about. Um, teach him who his friends are, or you know, the, um, but the, the, this whole thing. What's teach, teach him to be, teach him to be happy. Teach him, teach me control. Um, the the tones on tail song. Teach him to be happy. Yeah, yeah, teach yeah. Teach him control, and then and then Peter Murphy's teach me to be happy. Teach me control, and teach me who my or teach him who his friends are. Wow. The answer is clear, and they were going. But those two songs kind of called back and forth to really each other. I was fascinated with that concept for a long time. Like, yeah. Bands calling it like yeah. uh, Nine Inch Nails and Tori Amos. So she t- sings about the yeah. Pretty Hate Machine in her yeah. song, and he sings about Starfucker in his song, yeah. and you know back back and forth. I have a story about them. Uh, I went to the William S. Burroughs exhibit at the LA County Museum many years ago. Did you shoot up first? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
But when I was there, Tori Amos and Trent Reznor were there. Oh, nice. Because I guess they dated for a they, second. Yeah, they they kind of hung out, yeah. They dedicated a few songs in, in um, The Fragile to her. Right, yeah. right. Which is very strange to me, but all right. Well, they and, had this thing where the, I think the way the relationship was is they were they became friends because they were in the performing in the same circles. Yeah. And then they kind of like, well, should we date? And then, but they kind of felt like because of, and that's kind of reflected in the music, but because of the media and because of people kind of, people kind of, the zeitgeist was kind of pushing them together. Like you guys should be a thing to where they, it felt weird for them and they wound up just kind of being friends instead. I get you. I know Neil Gaiman was close to her, too, because he based that Delirium character on her. But uh, when I was at the Burroughs exhibit, they signed the comments book. So Uh I got to read it. (laughs) So so I went up there, and Tori Amos was like, this is like, you know, his eloquent nature of expression through all of the means that he does was truly, you know, like... Something you would think big and flowery, right? And then Trent Reznor, right under that, is like, man, I thought I was depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear that was. What oh, was that's there. awesome! Did like, you did you catch uh, Nine Inch Nails on uh, on uh, Austin City Limits last I week? I saw I saw a bit of the someone posted. It was really episode. good. It was really good. I watched it, and he did a couple of old songs. It, it, he, he still has all that power. He still has all that. Passion and raw anger and raw emotion, but then in between songs, you can tell that he's actually happy, right? That he feels like a human being. He also, you know, he, he and I have something else in common. Our our necks are a lot thicker now than they were in the nineties. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very <laughs> much so. It's a much thicker neck. Yeah, yeah. I, I look at pictures. <laughs> I look at pictures of myself in the nineties. I'm like, man. That skinny, I, I was skinny once. Yeah, well, you know too. what? You know, a fat neck is, is something I could live with. If that's if that's what's going to happen as I get older, I, I, I'd rather live with that than other things that happen to other people. It's true. It's yeah. harder to decapitate. True, true, <laughs> true, true. Harder to true. Yeah, yeah, you you probably be passed over for uh, you know being a, 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 a the victim of a of a terrorist kidnapping because you wouldn't you'd be too hard to decapitate. I don't way. know. Maybe. Uh, Maybe they would find it more appealing because it would take longer. You know? <laughs> they get more, more enjoyment. More, more, more screams. Depends on how much they enjoy. They're into their work, I guess. Or... <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's crazy. That's man. a horrible thing. I it is a horrible. Yeah. Thing. It's horrible. But you know, it's 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 horrible because there's never going to be any reruns of the ISIS show from the seventies. That's for sure. But, <laughs> no, I know. And, I know. And Archer had to change the name of his Dirk, organization. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well, they were they were last season. They were drug dealers, a la yes. Miami Vice, kind of thing, or whatever. But and then they were going to go back to the spy agency. But now they're going to change the name of it because yeah. of that. And it's yeah. just yeah, it's just uh, yeah, that's the right thing to do. Actually, uh, it I'm, is. I'm against censorship, but in this case, I think that's yeah. a sensible thing to do. It's just one of those things you got to be sensitive to uh, what is now. Yeah, I mean, you, there's no getting around that. You can't, you can't sugarcoat. Oh well, we're gonna call it this, you know. I mean, they can't make us change, but it just yeah. has too many connotations. Too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what are you gonna do? I swear, I don't usually spend this much time cleaning. I'm just. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's your place, man. It's your place. <laughs> we we cleaned up today because right. you, know, you guys were coming over. Well, you guys cleaned up nicely. Thank you. We yeah, try. It doesn't look that. It doesn't look disorganized. Is there? So you know. 
Well, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the picture of everything. Let's talk about your artwork. All right. So I hope you have links to all this stuff on the blog. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm going to be putting links right. to uh, Doctor Strange stuff and and to. Yeah, they're going to start getting random um, calls from people that want to buy something from your collection. I'm hoping yeah. to sell it all as a all together to someone really rich as one giant. Thing. Maybe whoever ends up playing Doctor Strange in the movie will be like, <laughs> you know. I, I'm getting paid so much okay, for this so, movie. So I have a spare hundred grand, two hundred grand. Direct this pitch to uh, Benedict Cumberbatch right now. Yeah. It may happen. <laughs> I I'm sure Benedict Cumberbatch could uh, afford a uh, storage space for probably, it. Like, probably, <laughs> probably. But uh, so, but when did you start doing? I mean, you you have a really unique uh, art style, as you said. It's very, very meticulous and very. Uh, um, uh, uh, what was the term you used? OCD, very OCD, obsessive OCD, compulsive. Yeah. Um, but it really does a good job of incorporating very, very current things with kind of a um, uh, a timeless pa- a timeless uh, sensibility to it as well. With its verges on the psychedelic and the um, the uh, obscure. Um, I love psychedelic surrealism. You're big into lenticulars too. You do yeah. a lot of lenticular. Yeah, art. I do. Yeah, you can see if you if you move back and forth, you can see. Yeah, there's. It's like diff- one of those magic Jesus paintings where the eyes follow you That's around right. the room. That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, it's uh, not holograms. I said hologram. Earlier. No, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. Holograms <laughs> are made with lasers mm-hmm. on plates. Lenticulars are made slightly differently. They. Uh, it's actually a. I have a program that enables me to take. A four-layer Photoshop image, and it combines them into one layer, so that when I print it, it looks like there's a bunch Wavy of tiny lines, little. Right. You, you remember when you were in grade school? I don't know if they still do this in grade school. They they made you fold over that paper so that if you look at it one way, it's one picture. Right, you look at right. It one, it's kind of like that on a much more. Uh, minute scale but mm-hmm. you put these clear pieces of plastic that have these little grooves in them yeah and the grooves are called lenticules and um these are 40 line lenticular uh things and when you you know what? let me let me grab one sorry I know that's well, all right so these are one style and then this is something that i picked up at the van gogh museum this is the style that you're probably most familiar with, where they're right. changing. Where the yeah, things could, actually change. I could do either the changing kind, or I now could they, do... they used to have little tiny... This one's really good, though. They used that's, to have little tiny one-inch-by-one-inch one one uh, lenticular art in Cracker Jack's boxes. Yeah, they have those. Yeah. And you turn them, and it would change the picture in the picture. Or, or those Sometimes little rulers two, right, that have the rulers, dinosaurs right, on it. Right, right. Yeah. You, you would turn them, and the dinosaurs would walk across yeah. or move in some fashion. I could do either the 3D or the changing kind, but you notice that, that the ones that change most of the time are not 3D as well. Yeah. Although yeah. there are, they're, they're perfecting that too. A lot mm-hmm. of the DC comics that came out with the lenticular oh, yeah, covers yeah, have both yeah. the depth and the changing going on, which is great. They put out uh, spy spy kit toys in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. where you would have a, lentic- a lenticule, and you'd have this page. That would look like just a bunch of weird stuff, and then you would take the uh, the lenticule and place it on the page and move it across, and then you would see different letters depending on the position and stuff, and you could send different messages and I things like that. I think it's somewhat similar. I remember that. Yeah, it's 
Um, but yeah, this is this is one of the uh, one of the lenses. On on this side, there's all of these grooves. On the other side, this is adhesive, so you would peel this mm-hmm. off, and it's like a sticker. And when you put it on that print, it gives the illusion of 3D, or it gives the illusion of uh, changing from one image to the other, or both. If cool. uh, and it depends on the software you have, I guess. But this is something that's been around since. Uh, I think the 40s. It's an Hmm. old technology, and um, I have no idea how they did it back then in terms of how they... It must have been... It taken them forever it was probably to get like it. an accident or something, but then they probably figured well, out a way Well, I think it stemmed to... from some of those uh, stereoscopic oh, stereo... viewers. Yeah, yeah. From, I think that's probably what uh, inspired someone to try this out. Right, right. But uh, that's, that's where it stemmed from, and... In the early 2000s, I uh, was wondering if there was any way to make them at home because mm. I had always liked the 3D cameras. For a very short amount of time in the late 90s, they had these disposable 3D cameras yeah. with more than one lens. Right. But the company went out of business, and the only way you can have them developed as 3D is if you sent these disposable cameras to Virginia. And they would develop them there and send them back to you. But when they went out of business, I had all these cameras that I hadn't had developed yet. I'm like, damn it, I, I don't know where where I'm going to get these things done. I wonder if there's a way to make them at home. So I did a little research and I found this company. At the time, it was called... Uh, What was it called? Anyway, they're, they're not around anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Motion Magic, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had an at-home lenticular kit. So I ordered it and started making them at home. And uh, it was great. But then that company went under. But I kept in touch with the guy who ran it. And now I actually uh, get them directly from him. I go over to his place. He lives uh, in the in Orange County. So mm. I just go down there and I get the lenses from him and he's like, you know, Howard, I know that we had this software available to people to purchase, but don't give it out anymore because we're not able to supply people with the lenses right. commercially. Now he does stuff. If you ever go to any of those kiosks in downtown Disney uh. or in anywhere, he's he's the guy that is responsible for uh you know those things where you can get the keychains with you. Oh, yeah. Right. He, he does a lot of that stuff now. And That's his cool. Name. His name is Rally Southern. Is his name? That's so. This is one of Howard's lenticulars that he gets me for my birthday, not this year, but the previous year. That was part of an art show he did where they're printed in black light. Uh-huh. Yeah. So oh, that's beautiful. That's that. I was. So if I hadn't broken your black light that was in the closet, <laughs> we could show you how it goes under black This one is black light, too. Yeah I, yeah, I decided I had an art show last year where I actually was wondering, you know, because cool. there's all these black light posters. Yeah. Sure. I was wondering if there was a way that I could print some black light <clears throat> Are these neurons? Yeah, those are neurons. Yeah, it was part of a whole sort of awesome. That's really cool. inspired That's set of pieces. That's really right? cool. Yeah, so I I've, I got this blacklight ink, and uh, I actually had to buy a printer just to put the blacklight ink into. Oh, yeah. Because no place, no printing place in the would United do, States that I could would find do fluorescent would ink. do fluorescent <clears throat> ink, because you actually have to change out all of the ink in your printer to fluorescent ink 
and so you have to devote buy a printer specifically a separate printer to, just with fluorescent exactly ink. because then the fluorescent ink gets into the heads and if you that's right, right that's if you put exactly. regular ink back in it kind of taints it right so i found an 11 by i found a printer that was able to do 11 by 17 sized images cool but that's the biggest i could make these things unless they're done in pieces right right but uh you know i got this i found this fluorescent ink for inkjet printers cool. and once i found that i said okay now that i have this i can make the 3d black light lenticulars so wow. i think i'm the first guy to do that wow that's multi 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 so. <laughs> awesome. yeah that's well, really like awesome but you know the funny thing is the show was really unsuccessful i've, I've since sold maybe a few of them but right. like I didn't sell one piece, wow, wow. and it wasn't like they were a million dollars. Which I think the most expensive ones were like seven hundred bucks. But you know, that's a lot of money for most people to mm-hmm. spend on something like artwork nowadays. In the econ- with the economy mm-hmm. being what it is, like seven hundred dollars right. is a lot of money yeah, for yeah, a piece yeah. of art. But um, every once in a while, I sell something yeah, for that. Yeah. So I, you know, do you know? Do you know Noah Corda? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And he he's been doing work lately. We just had him on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he's doing. Um, he did a, a, a an art show recently where he did a piece where it showed like a portrait of a man, and then the hanging from the bottom of the frame is a is a handheld blacklight flashlight, and you would chime. And the, there was like a little plaque, and it said, you know, see what became of so and so's soul, and here it says this little story of this character, and then you shine the black light flashlight onto the it's like an LED black light flashlight onto the painting and there's this black light ink right. that comes up and, comes sh- up. and changes the image kind of like it kind of reminds me of the old Jekyll and Hyde uh, stage makeup trick where you have regular makeup and you do makeup um, in red uh, you do highlights in red that can't be seen and then the, they would change the light from red, you know they have a red light on the main person on stage and then they change it to a green light and all the all the lines on the face show up in the green light and suddenly there's this transformation that happens live on stage it's pretty cool a lot of that mm. is probably Disney inspired yes yes Noah. of course of course I'm sure it's Haunted yeah. Mansion I think it was inspired. part of the Gallery 999 or actually no that mm-hmm. wasn't part of Gallery 999 it was he was doing something else but yeah. uh, no, Noah runs Bats Day. Okay. Yeah, for for all all of you listening and <laughs> haven't heard that podcast. Yeah, he's an interesting uh, fella. I, I really like Noah. So. When did you start the uh, the picture of everything? That was back in uh, 1998, I believe. I started, and I just when I was a kid, I always would draw like groups of superheroes together. Mm-hmm. So I started drawing Spider Man, and then a lot of the Marvel characters I could think of, and then that turned to the as DC characters as well and then after the DC and Marvel characters were done I'm like you know there's a few characters that are cartoon characters that are also superheroes like Space Ghost right, and stuff, right. so I put them in and then I'm like well you know the Beatles were cartoons as well maybe I should put them <laughs> so it's sort of growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and expanding and expanding and I thought I had finished around uh, 1999 about a year and a half after I started mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then more stuff started coming out and more people started coming into my life so I'm like well I better when, when did you start incorporating your friends into it um that would probably be in the second phase of it I started around 2004 again and uh doubled it in size and I've slowly but surely been starting to 
make it another one third larger. All of these are going to be in the next card of it, but smaller. So how big is the uh, the Photoshop file for this? Uh, <laughs> it's huge, but it's actually it's actually hand, it's actually hand drawn. Oh, okay. and uh, I do it on paper and I scan it in. So there's a very big Photoshop file, but uh, the hand drawn original is now in storage. It's in eight very giant pieces, and it was up at uh, La Luz de Jesus Gallery in 2011, and it's. A good 14, 15 feet high by, I think, about 10 feet wide, something, or, or eight, I'm sorry, not 10 feet wide, about eight and a half feet wide, nine feet wide, something like that. It's really large. It's damn big. And it was so big that in the gallery, they actually had to angle the top pieces because it was too big for them right, to put right. flush on the wall. Because the ceiling wasn't high yeah, enough. Yeah, the ceiling wasn't high enough. So when you expand... It went through the roof. Yeah. When I, but when I expand it, it's going to be to the side. Put it like it's, it's Dod- not going to go Dodger, taller. Dodger Stadium, or <laughs> it's not going to go taller though. It's just okay. going to go wider. wider. But the the top and bottom meet, and the sides meet. Right, right. Yeah. So it does it does go kind of in an infinite loop because I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm into the idea of. The infinite loop. Nice. You like fractals? I love fractals. Yeah. And uh, that's that's a big part of it. I I like the idea of the sides meeting, the top and bottom meeting, Mm -hmm. and continuing and having it be a continuous thing. Do you like... um uh, what's the name of this um, Alex Alex Gray is it Alex Gray is yeah, one of yeah. my favorite artists I love Alex yeah, Gray's art it's amazing yeah. I, I actually drew some of his uh, pieces into the picture of everything oh cool yeah. it's very hard to draw because you know he's <laughs> he's very very intricate yeah very very detail oriented I love Baroque very intricate artwork mm-hmm. as you can tell it appeals to my sensibility because you know, people say you could look at a piece of artwork and see something different every time, but in pieces like that, you it's really, really true. Yeah. I'm not so sure if that's true with a Mark Rothko piece, mm-hmm. although I'm sure a Mark Rothko fan out there would be like, of course it's true. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But, you know, something where it's just splotches of paint. I doubt it's true with uh, Thomas Kincaid paintings, too. Uh, right. But I, I'll tell you something. I went to Spain and I saw the... Um, the original, the, the Great Masturbator, the Dali painting. Yeah. And I had to sit down and just stare at it for three hours. Yeah. Because it was one of those things that I just, I couldn't yeah. stop looking at it. You're definitely a Dali fan. I mean, oh, you've, got I, the, I love... you've got the melting clock on the on the well, couch there. Well, we got to cover up the cat scratch. Yeah, the, the cat scratched <laughs> the shit out of this stuff. You know, and somehow I think Dolly would be okay with that. Yeah, I, I figured, <laughs> let's just make this a surreal couch and put the clock on there. And, it, and they did kind of stop scratching over there. Yeah, they had to start scratching back here. Yeah. Okay, kitties. never stopped. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, it... It appealed to my sense. I love Alex Gray's stuff. I love Hieronymus Bosch. Uh, all those guys that did work. That's just re- Robert Williams. I'm a big fan of his stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, got to meet him a few times oh, when cool. I was working up at Leary's, and that was that was great. Yeah, so I got to meet a few of my heroes. That's really cool. So, that's really cool. Yeah. You you seem to have a talent for in the time that I've known you for. Having the balls to contact "quote unquote" famous people in search of, even if it's just communication or 
but, it, but then even for like, oh, do, can I can I make can I do a, de- uh, a version of your song for my karaoke club, or can I you know, or like like I know you. <laughs> they said you, no, you know. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about yeah. in terms of. But that. I know that I know that you've been in touch with like people like David J from Bauhaus, and you've yeah. been in, and and people like that, and it sounds to me like also in terms of like uh, Bruce Tim and uh, other you know artists. Well, and, I didn't get in touch with Bruce oh, Tim okay. to get that piece, oh. said. but uh, David J and I have been friends for many years. I met him uh, at uh, through. How did I meet him? I met him through Genesis Pure from Psychic TV. Okay. Uh, who I had also known for many years, just met him at a concert. And right. We became friends and started writing to each other. Genesis Pure said this. And then they were, uh, he was staying up at Rick Rubin's house when Love and Rockets were recording their record right before the fire. Were, yeah, yeah exactly. right before the fire. I was uh, there the day before that happened. Oh, was crazy. wow. Yeah. Oh, God. That was such a tragedy. Have you seen, ever seen the, the cover of the Sweet F.A. album? And it has one of Daniel Ash's guitars mm. completely charred and burnt to a crisp on the front cover because they, they got, they did the Sweet F.A. That was the name of the album, right? Sweet That's FA. it. They yeah. did the album. They cut the whole thing, had it all mixed, all ready to go. There was a fire in the studio. Oh, they lost everything. It was not a studio. It was Rick Rubin's house. Oh, it was house. They burned his house. Well, oh. they didn't. It's debatable how it started. It's probably something electrical, right? Right. Who knows? Oh. But they were recording in Rick Rubin's studio That's at all. his house, and the, and the studio burned down. They lost all their instruments. They lost all of their recordings. They lost everything from that album. And oh, Genesis, no who was staying there, jumped out a window and broke his uh, leg and a few other things. And Jesus. he sued Rick Rubin for a lot. Anyway, it was a lot of bad blood amongst. It was a crazy alternative. No cloud storage back then. So. Yeah. No. No. Well, they, they no did well, and they probably were doing some digital recording too. But they and since they were recording on American Records for Rick, Rick Rubin, so they had to go back into the studio and start over again and try to remember some. And they say that they. I think they said that probably about. Forty-five percent of what they did from memory is actually in what became the Sweet FA album. Right. Well, anyways, I became friends with David J. And at the time, because I was always a huge Love and Rockets fan and Bauhaus fan, so I was really oh yeah excited to meet him. And I remember the first thing I said to him was, "What do you think it all means?" <laughs> and he just looked at me and said. <laughs> that's my answer that's my answer <laughs> <laughs> I um, I met him in passing uh, at um, they were playing it was uh, 1989 uh-huh. and I saw the Pixies Love and Rockets and the Cure at Dodger Stadium was at uh, uh, Fiddler's Green in Colorado oh wow and okay. um, and when the Cure when the when the Love and Rockets finished up and the, it was like the Pixies at the height of their power and then um, Love and Rockets finished up and the Cure was playing and I saw David J come up one of the aisles and I stopped just to shake his hand and say hello and that was about a he's going to be DJing tonight at the Echo if you want to <laughs> he DJs but, in in LA a lot so. yeah I ran their websites for a while mm. and did the Bauhaus site up until about two years ago and did David J's site up until. Uh, for a few years, and uh, we've, you know, we've had a few adventures in the past, and cool. uh, we we have a lot of common interests, and he just is one of those people, though, that's really approachable and very uh, friendly to any fan. So mm. maybe we should have him on the podcast. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> and I'll have, not a lot of people are like that, and I think that's uh, that's a huge huge character flaw. Mm. I remember I was I was at the uh, the key club. 
Because, uh, I mean, without your fans, you wouldn't be anyone, right? Right. I was at the Key Club. I was seeing this band, Atari Teenage Riot. Mm. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I was waiting yeah. for them to come on and whatever, and I saw uh, John Frusciante in the, cl- in the crowd. Right. He was just blending in with everyone, keeping it, keep it to himself, so I, I approached him, and I uh-huh. thought about, you know, talking to him or whatever, and he, he, uh, he, was, he stood there, completely, completely, like, transfixed, quiet, and he's like, don't talk to me, and he just walked away. I think he actually has some social anxiety issues. Yeah, yeah. from he might, he might years drug of, use and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, he that I could see that happening with someone like him just because of that. I'm sure he probably, yeah. So that might have been part <laughs> of it in in his case. Yeah. But a lot of cases, people are just assholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Riley was really nice. I mean, he's a yeah, yeah, John C. Riley was nice. There's... We saw him at the Polyphonics. Carlin was not nice to me. <laughs> uh, George Carlin? I met him uh, on the sidewalk in Brentwood. I, was, I worked in the same building as his business office was. His little office yeah. that he had to go and write in or whatever. And he came out of the door one day and I was just like, Oh, hey, George. And, you know, I'm a big fan. And he just... He could not have run away faster. <laughs> At the same time, there are people too. You don't you don't know what's running through their head in that moment. True, it, right? it's no, that right? thing. He of, may have found out he had cancer that day. You he might have. Know. He might have. Uh, well, and then LA is so weird because they they live here, right? So right. a lot of times they're out there just out trying to enjoy the right. evening right. like anyone else, sure. and they just happen to be celebrities, sure. right? You know. When George Carlin came to the movie theater I was working at when I was a teenager, <laughs> we got him free popcorn. So nice, he was really nice. nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I remember Fred Ward came in there. Remember Fred Ward? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, I'm like, dude, you're getting free popcorn because Henry and June got us laid, man. <laughs> 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 like, right. yeah. Sorry, Sally. Nothing like a little Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It be, I was a virgin before I met you. Right. I, I'm telling you. He was a 40-year-old we, we were just, we were just kidding around with him. You know, he didn't, all right. But anyway. Um, but that's that's how I met with David J. And I, you know, brought him up to Tim Leary's place, who I was working for at the time. And mm-hmm. I met Tim through some club rave promoters in the 90s. And David was really excited to meet Leary, and so that's kind of how our friendship started through that whole thing. And uh, cool, you know, and, and I don't know, I've been lucky enough to have gotten in touch with some of these people who I've really admired and thought their work was great or their work has inspired me. And sometimes I seek them out, sometimes I just happen to meet them by happenstance living in Los Angeles because. Right. This is the place a lot of these people end up going to at right, one point or right. another. Yeah. And well, and so much of the business is here. It's just easier to get work done here because everybody's here. So it's true. Yeah. It is true. So, yeah. You know that. But uh, yeah, that's that's how I got to know those guys. But they're uh, it's it's awesome when you can actually call these people your friends and they've really inspired you in many many ways. It's really that's cool. It's a, it's an honor. Oh yeah, yeah. You ever do that thing when you were little? Uh, did you ever like uh, send someone like mail, like a, one of your uh, heroes or something like that in music or somewhere else? <laughs> yeah. I think I sent Stan Lee a, a letter when I was a kid saying, "Hey, I have this superhero dinosaur man," and they're like, "They Marvel wrote me back saying we actually already have a Stegron the dinosaur man in our." And I'm like, oh, okay, well, at least I got a letter from Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a letter to Tom Baker. Uh, oh, cool. we, we had an assignment in fifth grade to write 
somebody you're you're enamored with or whatever and and I wrote a letter to Tom Baker at the you're BBC. Big Doctor Who at the fan, B- aren't BBC. You? Oh, big time, big time. And this is, you know, I, I asked him if I could get a, an, a, 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 you know, an autograph, and he sent me back a postcard with his autograph on it. And I don't know what happened to it. it it's lost. Ah. I lost it. But it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, yeah, we did. That's what you did in the seventies and eighties. There was no internet. There was no email. There was no place. You just wrote a letter or a postcard. Yeah, I was going to say now, now kids just go to Facebook or whatever. I remember when I was like a teenager, I, I, I talked to Steve Niles on MySpace, and he was cool enough to like talk to me and everything. And it was it was really crazy. I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. Like yeah. speaking his brain. Um, yeah, I don't know if everyone's that approachable though. One of the cool things about growing up in Denver, when you would go to a concert, I mean, the fact that you could actually go the same day that the tickets went on sale and stand in line and get there early and get tickets and actually get up front instead of like in L.A. where you're never going to get anywhere up front unless you have thousands of dollars. But going and is hanging out at at the, the venue out back after the gig... And they come out and they would talk, you know, the, the people with the band would sit and talk to you for hours and hours. And that was one of the cool things that happened about. to me. I went to see the entrance band and, uh, which band? The entrance band. I don't know if I've heard them. They're not that big, but, uh, past Lichentane, the, the bass player. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. She was chilling outside, just smoking, drinking tea. And I, I approached her. I talked to her for a while. She was playing with them after perfect circle and before yes. pixies. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Is she the new Kim Deal? She's the yeah. She oh, yeah. was she was with Perfect Circle, and then she's been she's been a bass player for a lot of bands. She worked with Billy Corgan on some mm-hmm. stuff, and she, she, she was, was in Zwan. Yeah, she was in she was the bass player for Zwan, and that band she, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I like Corgan. their cover of Six Six Six, the number of the beast. Though that was in that <clears throat> Spun movie, mm-hmm, I thought mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. a good Zwan song. But yeah. Billy Corgan didn't sing that. One. No. No. <laughs> So what's uh, what's out now that you're kind of digging or recommended people go check out? That's you know, and it can be any kind of in terms of what art, media, comics, art, whatever, anything, music. anything, anything that you're digging on that you know you could you'd want to recommend to somebody. I really like this band Red Pony Clock. Oh, They're amazing. <laughs> They're awesome. Oh, Sam plays vibraphone. No, they are actually very good. Um, Let's see. Uh, comic book wise, other than Doctor Strange stuff, I mean, I I've been kind of digging Matt Fraction's Sex Criminals. I think that's a pretty funny book. Uh, I heard about that. Um, gosh, music wise, new stuff. Uh, <laughs> I've been, you know, it's funny. I've been getting a lot of old vinyl. Oh so yeah, a lot of stuff. You now guys have is, a really good vinyl collection here. A so. lot of stuff now is just kind of accumulating all the things that I really like, but getting it again on LP. But, I mean, we've seen a lot of shows recently, but I don't think we've really seen anyone that's like. I just discovered Neutral Milk Hotel, who I didn't really oh, hear in the nineties, yeah. and we uh, we just saw them at the Bowl. But I hadn't really heard them until Sam exposed me to them. And uh, there's, uh, what's um, the uh, train to Candyland? Candy, oh, Underground Railroad. Under, Underground Railroad to Candyland yeah, is a pretty um, good punk band. I like them. From San Pedro. It's people who used to be in Toys That Kill and FYP. FYP is the Recess Records. Mm. It's been around a long time. Cool. Uh, let's see. Um, gosh. Uh, you know, I, I, it's so funny because hosting karaoke, which is what I do now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I don't get a chance to hear a lot of really brand new music. Right. <laughs> you hear the old stuff sang by other people all over and over and over. Although, you know... We, you get a chance to hear a lot of really terrible music. Yeah, and some, some songs that I used to like get ruined because people... It's funny, in karaoke, <clears throat> there's one song in particular, Radiohead's Creep. Yeah. That a lot of people love doing... Because in the high part at the end where... Uh, the guitar gets crazy. Where Tom York goes, run, run, run. You know, and people do the... Uh, for some reason, no matter how poorly someone sings it, no matter how poorly someone sings it, people always have this almost primal urge to go, woo! And clap them and cheer them <laughs> on. So they're thinking, yeah! I'm nailing this note. I got it. So they keep doing that song every time they go to karaoke. And it's really... I mean, you're a really good singer. Oh, thank you. So yeah. so there's a, there's some people that can do do it well and do it and justice. And I've, I've done Creep before. And uh, I've, I've done a lot of Radiohead. I really like... I like kind of swimming in Tom York's... Yeah. Amelia, if you will. But it's at the point now, though, where if someone signs up for that, I'm like, you know, I'll give you a dollar out of my tip jar if you pick another radio. <laughs> we got so many. We got Karma Police. Fake, we oh, got, yeah. We Fake Plastic, plastic Trees is better. We even yeah. have, we even have, other have, you have uh, Optimistic is a good song. Which one? Pyramid Song. Oh, yeah. Pyramid Song. We don't have that karaoke. Anything off of Kid A is good. Idiotech. We yeah. have Idiotech, which we're not supposed to have. Not supposed to have. A little, it fell off a truck. Yeah, it fell, it fell off a truck. I can't talk about some of the karaoke yeah, that we're not true, supposed to true, have because true. it's. I don't want to get anybody. Well, to... I've talked about. We had Andrew on from uh, Ground Control Karaoke, right, and right. we talked about how. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's stuff at Ground Control that you just can't sing anywhere else, or very few other places. Very yes. few other it's, places. Uh, it's uh, but that was kind of part of the appeal of. Right. Uh, you know, going to a place like that. Well, he told cool. us the story of you just kind of showing up to Ground Control one week and saying, "Hey, I like your stuff. You know, I got this whole garage full of old, you know, karaoke discs. You want to use it them?" It wasn't a garage; it was a big folder. And I, or, yeah, big folder I used to go to a place in West LA. I know this interview is going a bit long. No, that's all right. That's, that's it's, fine. Uh, the um, I, I used to uh, order the CDs mm-hmm. back in the. Uh, early 2000s you were able to order mix CDs of karaoke songs and that's how and pick, all your, the, pick what songs you wanted yeah and that's how the karaoke places used to run they would all run on these CDs now of course everything is digital because these CDs after a time would become scratched right. and skip and you could or take out be, the they become def- they become fragmented if you oh, ever go yeah, to one of those yeah, places yeah. like smog cutter that still uses cds you'll see some of their karaoke things you, you can't even see what's right, going on right. on the screen because it's just the, the, just the, the aluminum deteriorates and the, right. the backing deteriorates even more yeah. so than you know if you would just play it if you're using these on a regular basis at a bar you know they're bound to get dirty scratch right. messed up so you know things went digital but for a while, I was going to a place in West LA called Boardwalk Eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I would I bring in. There. Yeah, yeah I, have, I, I have a friend who goes there a lot. I had a I had a fellow. That, there was a fellow there that ran the karaoke named Arthur, and he was there almost every night. And he was this uh, guy from Japan, and uh, I think he was a pop singer. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, he was so cool, and he let me bring my discs in. Nice, and, nice. And I, I'd be able to order all these things and sing to this group of 
I can't think of any other word to describe them, but like muggles, oh, just normal, yeah. normal, normal karaoke normal, people normal would go people. in there, and I'd be singing like Bottle Surfers and <laughs> yes. like old Pixie songs and like shit that they, you know, they're like, they what the just hell is this? Don't have right, or they just didn't hear it. But I was able to do it at this place, and I enjoyed it because I was able to express myself singing the music I liked. Yeah, at the but. Then I found out about ground control because uh, normal, you know, normal. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a girl named Normal, not a real name, but uh, she posted on Tribe.net. Do you remember Tribe? Oh God, yeah. This I was like the, that's two thousand three, two thousand four. This was the the site between Friendster and, and MySpace. MySpace. There was, I was Tribe on that one. I remember At one Friendster, point, MySpace, and then Facebook. Well, I was on early Facebook. I was on college students. Yeah, I, w- I was at one point for probably about three months. I was on Friendster, Tribe, MySpace, and Facebook all at the right, same time. Right, right. But Tribe had this thing that Normal had posted saying, "Let's go down and troll the goths at Ground Control Karaoke." I remember that. I remember seeing that post, and I remember some of us being really pissed off. And about I was it. like, "There's goth karaoke!" Yeah, Holy I shit. remember being uh, some of us being really so pissed off about mad. that. So you got mad, but meanwhile, I was like, there's goth karaoke. We were like, oh, great. Hipster's going to show up and fuck it all up for everybody. And it's true, because I came. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you came and you were nice. Wow, was I I there that night? I brought my big, big big-ass book of karaoke CDs. Was I there the night that you brought that? It could have been. It was a few months after it started over there. Yeah. I had to go for some reason. It was I might have been working in the morning or something. And Andrew, you just was dropped like, your shit off. Hey, and left can and said, I oh. can I keep this for the rest of the night? I promise. I'll, and I'm like, I was a little reluctant because I'm like, I just met you, man. But you seem okay. Yeah. All right. If anybody in the world, if you're going to leave your karaoke collection <laughs> with anyone on the planet not knowing who they are, Andrew would be yeah. the one to do it. But then, you know, Andrew was the first one who told me, hey, I have this program. I've been making my own karaoke stuff. And he had made a few tracks just by devocalizing. Devoking stuff. And uh, I was like, wow, you can make your... Uh, then that really... Then he took off with that. You took well, off with that. No, and then... it wasn't quite from that point. It okay. Was, I then got... that. We then found out about this place called... Uh, it's It was called something else back then, but it's BackingTracks.TV. And they're in Spain... And for 80 bucks for a song under five minutes or $130 for any song over five minutes, they will make... They'll hire they a band. They have a studio band. Yeah, they have a studio band. They will record that instrumental for you to do with whatever you want. They're pretty good. Some of the things have been better than others. I don't think their skinny puppy was too good. But anyways, uh, I found out that... Well, we, had, we, we found out about this, Andrew and I, and mm-hmm. we commissioned them to make Red Right Hands... Yeah. Yeah. Fetch Vet yeah, yeah. by MC Chris yeah, and yeah. Transmission by Joy Division, yes. which has since been released. Actually, I, Red Right Hand and they uh, both have, yeah, they both. But no, I, not Fetch Vet, but no, 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 but, but Red Right Hand and Transmission. They, but I was there the first night you sang Transmission. Oh, I was there that yeah. night. Yeah, that was a yeah, and they they made those things for us, and that was amazing to me because I was like yes I remember I mean, when you could... brought in uh, Cuts You Up and I, I was just dying to that, sing that that one I didn't make that you, no but we brought it in though you found it or something the way that happened was we got in uh, after we made those I someone else who was involved in doing this fellow named Kevin uh, 
said, hey, we have a group of people that have been doing this for a while. And then Let's I found out there was a stuff. whole... But, you know, there's a lot of politics involved in all of course, of that. Of course, of course, of course. And there's been some so, karaoke so drama so that's gone on with all of this because, you know, people have put in a lot of money. I, I don't want to get into it on yeah. this podcast. It's a whole quagmire that we could talk about for a while. But uh, there, there is a few people, not too many, but there are a few people who have been doing this who have been making – because – Unfortunately, either the original artists don't want their stuff on karaoke, and believe me, I can completely understand because some of the horrible, horrible renditions of these songs, if that's the first time you're hearing that song, and I was the original artist of it, I'd be horrified. Karaoke is partially responsible for why I absolutely cannot stand the Dresden Dolls. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand. And... it's with good reason that some of these songs may not be I there. I there's a lot of girls that sing uh, Coin Operator. Yes. Oh, my God. If I yeah. could hear that song <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, yeah. I'd be so grateful. And, you know. So we try to keep it positive, but still. Oh. No, it's, it's, it's true because not everybody can sing, but yet when they see their favorite song on there, they may attempt it and do it very, very poorly. And then someone might be hearing that for the very first time and think, oh, this is a horrible song. So I can understand the mentality of not wanting your art co-opted right, by people right, who will fuck right, it up right. pardon my French oh no we yeah. so I, I I get that at the same time though you know if you're in a very very small small mm-hmm, group of mm-hmm. people doing it at maybe one or two places where people gravitate toward that kind of music and it's a shame certain songs are not available so I don't know yeah. I that that's kind of how we got into it, and it's it's. It, well, it seems to have worked out because I think it's very very obvious between you and Andrew how much reverence you have for this material, how much reverence and love and and true. You're not just you're not doing this to make money hand over fist. You're not doing this to turn a huge profit and do, you know and you know buy 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 another car or you know whatever. You're doing this because of the love of the music. Well, I'm sure that Andrew told you that our original intention was to start a label. I remember that. To release I remember all that. of this. Yeah. But then the uh, ASCAP and a few of the labels that we approached yeah. about making their music We're said... just like, no way. Well, no. They said, we'll allow you to do it, but it was a ridiculous amount of money. money for each song. And they wanted copy protection on each song. And we're like, well, wait a minute. All these other karaoke things online don't have copy protection. And just to make this cost, uh, just to make it worth it, we'd have to charge so much for each of these things. And like, it was just too cost prohibitive. And there were too many hurdles we would have to go through to do it legally. And we wanted to give the artists a certain, and it's a shame because I think there would have been kind of a lucrative thing that could have happened if this was done all above board. So, it's yeah. a shame. What can you do? Yeah. It's a yeah. shame. That's all I'm going to well, say. Well, what you do, Not kids, that I have anything to do with any No, of no. <laughs> well, what the lesson here is, kids, you do everything by the book, and you do everything legally, and you just yes. don't... We've you not don't, done anything you underground. You don't cross the RIAA, and uh, you make sure that all those record executives still get to buy that por- new Porsche every year. Yeah, uh, good luck with that. It's important that they get their force. Yeah, good luck. So, with what that. what else? Um, anything else media wise that you're you're digging on besides the 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 art and the comics you talked about and the any TV movies, music, other music, or uh, even video games, anything like that? Uh, 
man. Uh, we liked Fargo and True Detectives. I mean, but everybody knows about those. Yeah. Uh, those were good. I'm kind of enjoying the new Constantine show, despite the fact that he's not smoking his silk cuts on TV. I, yeah. I understand, though. You can't I was going people... to recommend that one, man. Yeah, yeah. you can't. They can't <laughs> yeah. show people smoking on TV. But he's but... playing with the lighter. So he might it's eventually true. start smoking, I think. We'll see. I think the thing is is that it's just such a refreshing notion to know that people are going to recognize John Constantine as Alan Moore kind of envisioned him rather than the Keanu Reeves version yeah. from the from the film. I was telling Mike that, the uh, PSP. I never thought that uh, Hellblazer would be this mainstream. So I'm just grateful to see it even though it's it's you know, it gets a little it's it's gotten a little dark. And he he has some grit to him, like you know he's shown in a bar drinking and whatever. Yeah, and yeah. So he was talking about punk rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we appreciated that, and uh, I, gosh, as far as new media, it's it's. I, I really liked uh, that book, Ready Player One, from a few years ago. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. a good good book. Uh, oh man, it's it, you're putting me on the spot. I should have thought about this before. No, that's okay. I'm going to think about a bunch of stuff later and go, oh, yeah, that. Well, you can always uh, zip on the blog and, and put in a post or whatever later. I mean, I'll always recommend later. listening to David Bowie. People should always listen Woo! to David Bowie. And, praise uh, him. Praise <laughs> him. Praise him. Yes. Michael Michael is the one I posted that Onion article about oh, David yeah, Bowie yeah. and Iman. David Bowie thinking about having lasagna tonight. <laughs> we <laughs> do love the onion. See, the, 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 that's the thing about the David Bowie thing is like, is, is part of part of what I love about Bowie and his whole career is part of it is it's just so goddamn ridiculous and so laughably crazy. And clearly there were times when he was taking himself very, very seriously and clearly there's other times when he's just not. Right. And it's, yeah, it's just... I will gone. recommend my friends' bands. My friends, the Warlocks are great. An Extraordinary Gentleman. Yeah. Gentleman Junkie. Yes, yes. Of course, Red Pony Clock again. They're, yes. they're fantastic. They're 13 piece, actually 11 piece. I don't know. And uh, they they vary from show to show, cool. but they're they're very good. And uh, so I, I like a lot of my friends' music. Cool. And we'll always recommend that. David J has a new memoir yeah. out uh, that's really good. Who killed Mr. Moonlight? Mm. Of course, it would have to be called. called that. I was just listening yeah. to that, getting ready to go out the other night. I and that's really really good. It's dishing a lot of dirt that might get him in a little hot water with some people. So uh, that's if that. <laughs> What's your appetite? I recommend uh, supporting his book. Nice. And, um, gosh, uh, my friend Jason Louv, he's a really good writer. A lot of his stuff for uh, uh, online, you'll see it on Boing Boing, some cool. of it on Dangerous Minds. I recommend checking his stuff out. Uh, in terms of video games, I don't really play a lot right. of video games, right. but I've been collecting any of the ones with Doctor Strange in it. <laughs> so I have every single Marvel platform. Marvel vs. Capcom. And yeah, I have every yeah. single uh, platform that Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 came out on. Every single platform that uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance came out cool. on. Anything that had Doctor Strange nice. in it, I not only have to get the video game, I have to get every platform. And nice. I, I don't open them. I just Ooh. put them in the storage center in package. Nice. Because I'm crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it is to be a collector. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what it is to be obsessive compulsive nuts. Uh, but uh, in terms of art, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of really great artists out there, too. And 
Cool. I don't know. It's it's hard to... Ash, what do you got going on besides Constantine this week? Doctor Who? Yeah. I watched yeah. The, You like the new guy? I, oh, yeah, I, think, been I think the new guy is amazing. My mom stopped watching it. Really? I think she had a crush on, on Matt Smith, on Matt Smith yeah. which is why she's... You know, watching watching the uh, Peter Tennant like, clips and everything, uh, it seems like like that series got really intense, like, you know, when the Master... David Tennant, yeah, yeah. The, that that two-part episode with the Master was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. The guy who played the Master... John Sim. John Sim he was, was awesome. On the, yeah, he's amazing. Uh, but I'm still getting into that. But I, I, I don't have a lot of detailed picks this week, but I, I, I've been listening to a lot of older stuff, like William Orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, I love William Always Morris. good. Yeah, My Bloody Valentine. Oh, yeah. and, um, well, it's been uh, it's been Halloween, uh, so I've been listening to my Halloween playlist, which has six, seven hundred songs in it. So, and it runs the gamut from you know Screaming Jay Hawkins all the way through like Marilyn Manson or you know stuff like that, and just any basically it's 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 any kind of song that has dead people, ghost, you know, vampire, werewolf, blah 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 blah, blah you name it, and then it's all just in there in one blood and blah blah. blah. And so I've been hearing a lot of that stuff, and so I just switched back to my regular kind of alternative hot, you know, four four or five star list. Mm-hmm. And I was on the way over here, and I heard uh, Consolidated, and it made me th- and the, the, it's Consolidated the song by the by the band or the collective Consolidated. They don't really consider themselves a band, but um, and this whole kind of like like neo left wing kind of. Uh, uh, you know, arch political kind of uh, collective, and and their message of positivity and and equality and all this stuff, and it kind of how it realized all over again, kind of how much it all aligns with exactly kind of where I go politically. Were they and wax stuff. tracks, yeah, 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 that's yeah. Right. I remember those guys. They had a really great album in the mid '90s called Business of Punishment, and it had a song called Butyric Acid, which was all about uh, RU486, the quote unquote French abortion drug. And uh, and they had uh, like some Greg Proops and some guys like that on there. They had a the, um, uh, bunch of really cool songs on there, and, and yeah, it's just all really good stuff. So I recommend Consolidated. I also love Spiritualized. Yeah, we yeah, saw Spiritualized last Valentine's Day. They used to play in Denver a lot in the nineties. Yeah, they're they're great, and also I just discovered Jarvis Cocker from Pulp's solo record, yeah, which yeah. is pretty damn yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, we we like a lot of the Brit pop stuff. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm all over the map in terms yeah. of yeah. stuff I like. We all have very very eclectic tastes. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's well. I want to recommend Star Wars, man. There's people out there that haven't seen it. We have listeners in France and other parts of the world. So oh yeah, watch Star Wars. And if you're a fan already of Star Wars, download this um, fan edit. Uh, it's called um, Downfall of the Old Republic. Uh huh. It's a fan edit of the prequels, uh, episode one through three, where they and take out Jar Jar and all the. They bad take stuff. out Jar Jar. They take out little Anakin. They take out pot racing. They take out a lot of junk, and, and they just focus it on Obi Wan Kenobi. And it's a good movie. You know, you know how yeah, I thought the first one, one was film. good. Yeah, you know how I thought the first one was good. I went on acid because <laughs> I knew that it was going to suck, <laughs> and I'm like, the only way that this movie is going to be good is if I go with Trip the mentality. Of an eight-year-old kid who's like scared of the big loud noises and stuff like I was <laughs> with my dad. I went yes. to the same theater yes. that I went to as a kid, and I 
And what was really weird was O.J. Simpson was there with his kids. Oh, God. Which was a little weird. Wow, man. O.J.'s here, man. I'm freaking out. No, I like It was fun. But it was really entertaining to me. I had no problem with Jar Jar. I had no problem. I was like, oh, my God. It's Star Wars. I'm so happy. It was great. I think that's the last time I did acid. But I was really happy that I did it. Because, you know, otherwise it would have sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was great for yeah. I guess, I guess yeah, as a kid I, I saw that movie when I was a little kid well not that little but I was like a 12 or something and I hated it even as a little person I hated yeah. the movie yeah. so it's not that good we'll see how the new ones go I mean who knows who knows my expectations are much lower now, yeah. so maybe they'll be good. It's been hard for me yeah. to keep them low, but I'm trying to because I don't want to be disappointed. But every time yeah. I see Mark Hamill with a beard, I just get really excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I met him at uh, signing for the movie The Big Red One, the Sam Fuller oh, movie. Oh, yeah. And they did the signing about a week before... It came out right after... Revenge after, of, before Revenge, I thought. Was it no, it was, it was after... Uh, Actually, Empire. it might have almost been the same week as Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh, or it was uh-huh. around the same time. Yeah. Actually, it was probably after, I think. Yeah. Anyways, uh, they were having a signing for the Big Red One at uh, this video store. So you gotta and, go. Well, the week, it, it, was, it was the week before Revenge of the Sith came out. Oh, okay. So all these people were bringing up... All this crap to Mark Hamill, all this Star Wars stuff. Can you sign? And he was just getting so exasperated. All I asked him about was Lee Marvin. Because oh, Lee Marvin yeah, was in the yeah, big, big red, red one. one. Tell me some Lee Marvin. And he was just so happy. He's he like, finally, like, someone yeah. that came here to hear about the movie. Let's talk right. about Corvette Summer. What was Annie Potts like? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask him about Corvette Summer. Wasn't that the movie he got his... Uh huh. Well, he was he. Mark Hamill was in a car accident around him, that time. They gave him a car. They, he did Star Wars, you, and then ever, in '79 like, uh, yeah. he did Corvette Summer, and they gave him one of the cars that they used in, in the that movie, movie, and that's and what he, he went and got in a car wreck, and that's what happened to yeah, his face. Yeah, if you've ever been confused, uh, and that's how the Wampa was invented. If you've ever been confused watching uh, Empire Strikes Back and, and wondering what happened to Luke's nose. That's, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, Empire, yeah, Empire Strikes Back, the, the, but the, and they explained that away with the Wampa attack in the right, ice cave. He got, he got across the face, and that's what happened to him. But anyway, he was so happy to talk about Lee Marvin with me. And The Big Red One is a great war movie, if you're into that sort of thing. It's up there with Apocalypse Now and oh. some of the best war movies ever made. What's your favorite war movie? Maybe that one, actually. Really? It's, it's Big really Red one. good. Uh Sam, one of Sam Fuller's last films, Lee Marvin, Mark Hamill, um, Robert Carradine, the guy from Revenge oh, of the Nerds, yeah. mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, uh, great film. Anyways, uh, he was just so happy to talk about that with me. He was really got a picture. But anyway, uh, those are recommendations. Uh, Howard, plug your stuff. Uh, uh, where can people find you? Where can people find your work, picture of everything, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. I have some stuff up at uh, La Luz de Jesus Gallery, Waco. Uh, that's in uh, Hollywood. I also have a few pictures up at the Irisphere Gallery in uh, Los Angeles. You can look that up online, Irisphere. Um, I, uh, gosh, anything else? Oh, yeah. My website, howardhollis.com, thepictureofeverything.com. I host karaoke every Thursday night at the New Wave Bar in Bellflower. 
It's a uh, hike. It's uh, kind of a drive if you live in Los Angeles, but come on out every Thursday night. Uh, also, ground control every Monday night. I try to be there as often as I can be. And um, Do you have a Twitter or something? I don't have a Twitter. I have, you know, my... Just pretty much my website. The websites, yeah. That's cool. I don't have any, like, Howard Hollis, like, page on Facebook. Right, it's just right. my personal right, page. Right. And if I don't know people, I right, don't right, have them right. join because... Yeah, I think the websites would be... Yeah. No no offense to anybody who might want to do that. It's just, you know, I've had a lot of people join whose political views or other things don't really match my own. So I'm getting all this stuff on my on my uh, page that I'm oh. like, who is this person and how do I know them? You know, so I just, now if I don't really know the person or... Right. Are we right. friends with a Republican? Yeah. It's, it's fine. I, I don't, I have no problem with any of that. It's just, I, if I don't know the person, right. I'm like, right. why right. is this, why is this coming up on my feed and what's going on here? Well, thanks for your time, Howard. This has been really, really great, really engaging. Um, uh, find, uh, uh, come and find us on Twitter uh, or something2xp. Follow us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook, uh, go to the blog, uh, WordPress, uh, something2xp.wordpress.com. Also, please don't be afraid to uh, post stuff on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Please yeah. don't be afraid to you know find, find us. We, we, we're looking forward to your feedback. We like to hear from people, and, uh, especially uh, you folks out in Europe who've been listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week, and uh, always remember, please be kind. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Ash Jones and Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. You can find us online as Something2XP on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Email something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.